1: Here we are on January the 23rd 2020. This is the Mike Abdiether show and Mike this is yeah generally one of my favorite because we get to talk a little bit of uh, of the WWE Royal Rumble on that in between week between the Super Bowl um, and the Conference Championship games but there's a lot going on as far as, uh, other sports stories last night, we were just kind of talking off air a little bit. We saw a big debut of Zion Williamson in the NBA, the number one overall pick from, from this year's draft. And you were saying you didn't even get a chance to catch him quite yet. You want me to, i to give you a little bit of what happened.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I hear overall, I mean, they're calling it a stellar debut, but I didn't get a chance to, uh, really feel it out. Um, so I, I, I was reading, looks like he was playing in spurts. Is, yes. that, is, that, is that just
1: because of his injury? It's kind of yeah. like a load management type thing? Yeah, so they, they wanted to make sure that he just goes like three or four minutes at a time. And then he comes out three or four minutes at a time. Then he comes out, which is really hard in a basketball game to try to get any rhythm, right? And rotation, like you're in there for, you know, maybe what, four or five times up and down the court for your team and then that's it and then you come out and what was crazy is that New Orleans team has actually been playing really well as of late and they're kind of among this group of teams that are battling for a playoff spot so now that he's kind of like he kind of they they were struggling they were down he kind of like threw off their rhythm you could tell like everyone is kind of focused on Zion and they weren't really worried about you know or they weren't really talking or even like Brandon Ingram was off he's basically been an all-star this year he's been awesome Lonzo's been pretty good he was kind of off and Honestly, if you were watching and you were someone that was a like a Zion hater Through the first three quarters You were probably smiling going Man, he looks big He looks slow And it, it's his first game back, right? So you know that But he just looked very tentative Sometimes players get hurt And then you know they're never able to kind of use that confidence Especially a player with some type of explosion And And then It's like anything It just takes like Seeing the ball go in the bucket to kind of start to build that confidence a little bit, and he—he was—they were basically just giving him a three-point shot. Like nobody was up in his face playing defense on him at the three. They were forcing him to try to make a three. And then in the fourth quarter, he drills one, and then he drills two, and then he drills three, and he hits four three-pointers in the. He had a, his his little spurt in the fourth quarter was insane. He obviously, I don't think he's going to shoot 100 percent from the three-point line. So altogether, it was. It was really cool because you got to see like the the entire um, like top to bottom. You know, of, of a really great player and a rookie in in a debut. It felt like an entire year in one game, which was kind of crazy from the struggles to the positives. And now I think his next game, he's going to it's going to be kind of all those put together right in one. There's going to be some times down the court where he's still maybe a little slow or he's not quite caught up to the NBA type speed. He's still a hustle guy. But no matter what, Mike, I'll tell you what, if you like him or you don't, he's very polarizing. He's one of those type of players that just draws interest, whether it be the ratings or from people talking about him online. And those type of players, especially when they're when they're good people, they're always good for the sport. So you said uh, it was like an entire
2: season in one game. Let's talk about the season. And uh, we're already past the midway point. The uh, Pelicans are 17 and 28, so they played 45 games thus far. When you look at the Western Conference, there are seven teams that are well above – 500. The seventh seed right now would be OKC. There's seven games above 500. Everybody else is above. Then you have the eighth seed where where you have the San Antonio Spurs. They're three games under. And that would mean that they're 14 and a half out. The Pelicans are 18 and a half out. So we got a four game spread and three teams above the Pelicans. My question for you is this, I know it's kind of a long winded entry point to the question, but is he good enough? Do you think as a rookie that he can elevate them above three teams and to be able to catch up or be in the running, like in the last week of the season, when they have another game against the Spurs. That it's
1: for that last playoff seed. See I, I don't. Let me say this. I don't. They can they can get there. And I don't know if they, if they get there. It's all going to be because of him. But I do think any of these five teams. Like the Spurs. The Grizzlies. The Blazers. The Suns. The Pelicans. They're going to. Seems like it's going to be them. Kind of battling it out for that final spot. Sure. I wouldn't be shocked if the Pelicans were to get that spot. I just don't know if it. If for the rest of this season, the Zion stuff might be a little bit more of a distraction because are we going to get to really ever see him to the point where he's playing 35 to 40 minutes if in a big game that mattered? Are we going to get to see him to the point where he's playing back to back games if they mattered? Um so that I, I don't know. I'm almost thinking
2: kn- of it. We see it a lot more in baseball than we do in basketball or even in football. But you saw last year, I guess, in football with Lamar, right? And the Ravens, they kind of took off once he took over for Flacco. You see it a lot in baseball because just because of the call-ups, right? So, you know, even just a few years back, the Yasiel Puig push, you know, the, you know, once he got there, the Dodgers kind of were, were on a roll and the Braves last year, more recently, where they uh, have their, what, the third baseman and a pitcher called up and, they're just on fire and they never look back. So you- I'm just kind of wondering if you have that same kind of spark when you get in this hotshot rookie in basketball, you would think that it would be more meaningful in basketball
1: with four other players on the court than it would well, the be in on baseball, right? The, the only thing is, and you started to hear rumblings about this, where I read an article today that was kind of talking about the Clippers and everybody just kind of assumes when you bring, you know, a star in or two, it's going to be great, but we don't realize what it's going to be due to the locker room. And that was a lot of the issue with people would say with LeBron and, and what he brings and now Anthony Davis in there and that's going to happen. To the Lakers, and it really hasn't. And there's actually been some rumblings that some of the Clippers players don't really like how Paul George and Kawhi Leonard kind of get to do whatever they want. Um, and and I I almost wonder if that maybe some maybe the case in in New Orleans now. Well, but I'm going to make I think... a really really big assumption.
2: Okay, and we know all know assuming makes a you know, a, you know what you know what out of you and me. But I'm going to make an assumption that a Duke player you wouldn't have that issue with anybody else, maybe. Maybe you notice that Duke guys, typically speaking, you know, I know Kyrie. Or you know, there's some exceptions, of course. But I think, and that's a big testament to Coach K. You know, he produces professionals. Obviously, you have to be a little bit smarter to go to Duke. You know, kind of like a Stanford effect. But I, I think from it's it's a, such a basketball factory. They train them to be pros. You know, probably unlike any other. Don't you think? Yeah,
1: and I don't even know if it is necessarily something that Zion himself like projects. If it's just kind of the whole bigger than him you like a perfect example so this morning and i think they're being really good sports about it and they were joking but like brandon ingram had a really bad game last night um in the zion game he just was missing it wasn't like he was turning the ball. He just was missing shots. He was missing a lot of shots that he would make. I don't think there was anything more to it. But apparently this morning when they were in like shoot around Zion and Lo- or Lonzo and Ingram were there and when in- they were kind of having a shooting contest that they do when they warm up for practice and as as Ingram was shooting, Lonzo was chanting, we want Zion, we want <laughs> Zion because that's what they were chanting last night in the game after You know, he goes on this crazy little run. He puts up, you know, like 17 points in that little spurt and then they have to pull him out of the game because it's his time is up. And so then the crowd is like pissed. The announcers are pissed. They're all saying, put him back in the game. Are you telling me an extra three minutes is going to hurt? Because he, he did really bring them right back in the game. It was at a pivotal point in the fourth quarter where the game was tight. And then you take him out of the game now. And, and so then the, obviously the crowd's chanting, we want Zion and po- Ingram's po- poor Ingram. Who's, you know, averaging 25 points a game this year, he's dribbled the ball off the court and they're chanting, we want Zion. And I don't think he took it personally, but it's just one of those things that you had a team and these young guys that are, are kind of starting to play well. And now you have to add another completely different variable right into the middle of it. Or there's going, sometimes there's a little bit of jealousy, right? A little bit. Yeah,
2: and be like, Hey, sure. I've been in the league for X many years. And now you got this guy who's you know, it has been in here for, for, you know, 28 minutes so far. <laughs> or, yeah. or 18 minutes so far, and sure. and he's getting this kind of love. What the you know? So I get that aspect of things. It'll be interesting to see what um you know how this all unfolds. I know we kind of have a lot to talk about before we get into the WWE Royal Rumble show. Yeah, let's
1: talk about the NFL game last week because we'll, I'm sure we'll break it all down next week when yes. we have like our Super Bowl show. But for as far as the two conference championship games, like I don't think I was. The results definitely weren't surprising. The result of either game isn't surprising. I was just, again, like a little bit more surprised with the approach, I think, from Green Bay in that when you have to go on the road and play a team that, you know, on paper you're – You're you're the underdog Don't you feel like you have to kind of Take some like aggressive uh, chances Or approaches And it felt like Green Bay had the opportunity To do that right off the bat They had a fourth and one at midfield They had already moved the ball better against San Francisco Than they did in in like three or four drives against them the first time, they got to the point where it's like, okay, we have a little momentum here. Maybe we get a first down and, and we can get a score or we can get on top of them and we and we don't have to necessarily worry about just dealing with that running game throughout. And they didn't go for it. And Gina, I honestly, I felt, straight up. <laughs> I thought the game was over
2: right then. The game plan was horrible. I thought the Here's game the was thing. over. Right You're then. going into this game knowing that their head coach and their offensive coordinator are fearful of throwing the ball. Let's face it. Let's just call it how it is. They're like, we're not going to let our quarterback beat us by turning over the ball by pick sixes, things of that nature. That's the only explanation. I don't care how good of a running game you have for throwing the ball eight times in a conference championship. And I don't remember how many the week before, but it wasn't much either. Right? So now, Let's talk about that. Just you and I as, as as friends, as commentators, as observers, you know, what does that tell you? That that tells you that they don't want him to make mistakes and they really don't want to fall behind. You got to go for it on that fourth and one. Your only way, the only, your only chance to win on the road in a playoff game, you know, against the top seed is to take some chances and to put up some points and put them up early. You have to put them up early. Forget about this feeling out your opponent and we're going to play the game of field position and all that kind of stuff. Green Bay's defense isn't good enough to do that and their offense isn't good enough either. So... Yeah, I'm with you 100%. I, I thought the it. game plan was horrible. And keep something in mind, man. I'll be the first to admit, I've been calling both Green Bay and San Francisco frauds for a long time. I know that's kind of a dramatic word, but I haven't believed in either of them. And so lucky me, they both end up facing each other as the, the final two teams remaining in the NFC. I've been wrong about both those teams all year long. They surprised me all year long. I still don't buy into San Francisco because they can't throw the ball. Let me take that back. They can throw the ball. They could move the ball. They can get yards, but I I feel that they make too many mistakes, even down to the receivers. I don't trust those guys not fumbling the ball either. So that's why the Super Bowl is going to be fascinating to me.
1: Yeah, I'm 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 really excited for the matchup, and I've been with you. Like I've been the first to admit, I've been really wrong on, on the 49ers most of the year, as as most of us were. I think their over under was seven and a half or eight. Their win total posted before the season, right? This is the team that had had won, had the biggest turnaround like in NFL history off of their three previous seasons, and to me, and it, it happened again in this game, and it happened in both their playoff games, and this is what happened to them throughout most of the year. Now there's. There's a part of it where they have an amazing defense and they're very well coached. And so they stick to their game plans and they hit you and they hit you hard. But I've been really frustrated because I felt like most of the year teams go in there and beat themselves yeah. and it's, it's hard to to gauge and to analyze a team that way that has just been very i don't want to say lucky but has been fortunate to where i don't think now i don't think the packers were great either but i think there's a better version of the packers than the one we saw this week Agreed. i don't think i don't think the vikings are like the best team in the nfl but i think there's a much better version of the vikings than the one we saw against them i don't think the cleveland browns were are like an amazing team but there was a much better version of the cleveland browns than when we saw play the 49ers this year I don't and I say that when you go back and you look at like their schedule you're like man they really didn't play well against the 49ers and some of it is the 49ers right when you have a good defense and I think I'm, I'm going to give them even more credit now than I ever have because maybe their defense is so good that they're the type of defense that makes you think about them even on the plays they don't make Right? They get inside your head and they kind of force you to make a bad play or they kind of force you to get out of your comfort zone. Because, you know, in the games where they've actually played against good teams or teams who played well, they were. I, I... I looked at the 49ers as a pretty solid team we saw them kind of lose to Baltimore and then beat New Orleans and we saw them split with the Seattle games where they probably could have won both or they could have lost both and then we saw them kind of slip up against Atlanta everybody has a slip up once or twice but there were so many times where I was like man this was a terrible effort from Green Bay and that really doesn't have anything to me it wasn't as much of like having to do with the 49ers every time I watched the 49ers play my takeaways were man the team that played them just really had a bad week again.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with everything that you're saying, man. And you, you know, you're talking about the defense. Let's let's get a little bit more specific. Their D line, I mean, their front seven overall, and and their o- offensive line. If they win the Super Bowl, they should get two rings apiece because this San Francisco Forty ers team is built on their play at the line of scrimmage. That's there's there's no doubt about I mean, how do you even plug in whomever you want at the running back position and rush for a couple hundred yards? It, it doesn't even make sense to me. You know what I mean? A guy that has been passed around for six, seven teams. And I've represent, I've represented guys like that. And I'll tell you to a man, all of them feel that they could do it and it, and that they weren't on the right system. And this is proof in the pudding, man. You have a stellar O line doing their thing. Great run blocking offensive line. And we're seeing less and less than those in the league as time goes on. Good run blocking. Most of them are good pass blocking as they get into the NFL, not run blocking. And so All the credit in the world to Lynch and Shanahan. They've done a ridiculously good job. Like you said, we'll talk more about it next week. Uh, Shifting to the other side, I think Kansas City did what I expected them to do, and I think Tennessee, you know, played out of their minds and it's a great run for them. And they'll regroup and come back next year and, and, well, no, and come was, back more loaded, you know.
1: Yeah. And we're going to we have a couple minutes before we we take our first break. And then we're going to bring on Chad Cooper um, uh, for our, our second segment. That was kind of what was to me what makes Kansas City really scary is that didn't it seem like, you know, Tennessee was playing really well especially in the first half like they were doing everything they were completely executing their game plan it was like get up early let's try to run the ball you know and take the ball away from Kansas City but the problem with, with with that when you play against Kansas City is they are so unlike most teams in how quickly they can score like they don't need to take a long long drive you can you can go down and take an 8 minute drive and they can come right back in 1 minute 1 minute 30 and score a touchdown and it kind of Just defeated your whole drive, you know. It kind of it it like defeats the whole purpose of trying to take the ball away from them when they can score so quickly.
2: Yeah, you know, I'd like to see a game maybe next year. They'll never do this, but where they uh, they make a decision, we're not going to punt the whole game. Just go for it all the time, you know, because their offense is is really that good, and it almost seems like the times that. I mean, the rare few times of the, it's like a three and out um, or in drives, that end up stalling. It almost seems to me like they could have made it work if they wanted to, but they maybe wanted to try a different play. They wanted to keep the other team guessing so much that they tried something and Hey, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't no problem. Cause we're going to come back and strike down the field next time. And it, it's almost Madden like, but yet this year, we really haven't seen the same kind of point totals, at least as the year prior, right? Where, You know, the, the, the Monday night matchup against the Rams is, is obviously the classic example. And I would not at all be surprised if they put it all together this week, even though they're facing a good defense, um, Super Bowls bring out a lot out of, you know, it's kind of like when uh, Seattle and and Denver matched up, you know, like who would have thunk it type scores. You know, you get that all the time in Super Bowls, the adrenaline's flowing.
1: Even last year, there wasn't a touchdown, right? Yeah. yeah. There no touchdown in that game. I think it was just a field goal game all the way through. Yeah. You
2: know, know, so I think we're going to get a good one this year. Gino, before we take a quick commercial break, you have any uh, really quick thoughts on the Eclipse Awards,
1: which are just uh, moments away. I hate these. I just think they're they're I would they're just not for the uh for they're not a very good experience like watching going. to – No, soon. I'm not an award show guy. They're, no, and it's just like it. They're great if you have a horse. They're great if you are an owner of a. they that that's really what they're for. Like if you own if you own a horse or if you're a part of like an ownership group who has a good horse because that that's what they're for. They're not they're not very fun. You, you it's not a good crowd to be honest like you can't you don't see like like jokes being made and people making fun of other people and like having a like you're not going to get a Ricky Gervais uh, type of uh, monologue from uh, from from the clips to work so yep I, I don't really have too much of a, an opinion or like i'm not there's nothing that like really nah, i'm thinking crazy about
2: yep i'm with you there hey gino let's take a, a quick commercial break and we'll come back with chad cooper
1: us on twitter at voice TRN. get the lowdown on guests new shows and your favorites that's voice america trn
0: want to play the ponies and win
1: Back here on the Mike Abadir Show, and we have our first guest joining us from Las Vegas. We'll talk about a few different things with Chad Cooper. We'll talk some Royal Rumble in a minute. But, Coop, what uh, what are you up to in Vegas? What's up, Chad? Uh, hey guys, uh, thanks for having me on. I am at the Hard Rock right
3: now, and uh, interesting news here. You know, the Hard Rock was purchased couple of years ago by Richard Branson, the billionaire that owns the Virgin Airlines, all that stuff. The final day for the Hard Rock will be February the 3rd. After February the 3rd, it's a wrap. Uh, they're gutting it out, and uh, hundreds of millions of dollars, I hear, will be uh, spent renovating, and it will be called, no joke, the Virgin Las Vegas. So it <laughs> will be open probably in the fall. Yeah, there will be no no music memorabilia everything's out of here they they're redoing the entire thing hoping to be open uh October November uh, of later So this Chad year.
2: let me ask you about that is that for all the Hard Rock products and Hard Rock cafes around the world they're all changing or is it just for this one in Las Vegas
3: Just this one you know the and this one I think has been leased uh, this one's about 25 years old, from what they're telling me. Uh, it was purchased a couple of years ago, and uh, it just basically had run its course. This was, uh, you know, they, they were one of the first properties in Las Vegas to start doing the uh, the summer pool parties. with rehab. Oh, yeah. I think it was on maybe Spike TV or True TV, whatever it was. Years ago, they had the reality show, and... Uh, you know, it's just kind of you know. It, in Vegas, I've been told every ten years you need to do a complete renovation. This really, you know, they've renovated a bunch of restaurants and nightclubs here. But uh, he bought it and uh, complete, uh, a complete rehaul of this place. It'll never look the same. More upscale. Uh, the Virgin Las Vegas coming soon uh, here. And uh, what a name! Very interesting. fantastic.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I am gonna miss that. I've had many, many of a drunk afternoon at a rehab. A lot of fun memories there <laughs> for what I can remember at least. But uh, that's uh, that's interesting stuff, man. Uh, so, are you? What are you in Vegas for? Is is there just for the fun of it, or is there something going on?
3: I am a photo assignment. The AGN Expo and award shows this week here at the Hard Rock. Nice. I am here on photo. I know. Tough job. Someone has to do it. Someone's got to do it. It's a dirty job, right? (laughs) You know, took one for the team, and I am out here. So uh, uh, today was, you know, it it, it started yesterday. Today's, you know, a big day. Most of the public starts coming in, and uh, it's it's, it's craziness around here.
1: So talk about overlap. I think it's the, uh, you have that going on the same weekend as the National Handicapping. Competition, I, I think, over there, right? There's probably a lot of uh, overlap in the customer. Well, yeah, the-
3: <laughs> you, you, you have three or four, they, they said three, you know, 50 to 60, 70,000 people outside are here this week. You have the shot show, which is. You know, this big world, dealers of all guns, not open to the public, uh, gun manufacturers. And then uh, you have one of their biggest that's going on at the convention center now is the Home and Builders Expo. And it is a madhouse from concrete, windows, roofers, you name it. They're in town this weekend. So it is uh, uh, very crowded, very crowded here.
1: Well, before we get into Royal Rumble, a couple of actually really interesting things that you might be able to, to give us a little bit. First of all, I didn't even think about this, but you were kind of right in in there, that uh, Zion area. What has the buzz kind of been like leading up to Zion? It's probably been really disappointing not getting him to play. And then from the people that you know that are around the Pelicans, uh, how do they feel about uh, about Zion's debut last night?
3: Uh, there was there was a there was a little disappointment um you know they're not you know i think those close to the team know not to expect a whole lot i think they made a very big deal about a little of nothing as you you know as you can tell if you watched the game last night uh you know he is uh, the chosen one um i've been heard him compared to greg Oden. I've been heard uh, him compared to the the next Messiah for, for New Orleans. But there is a concern that, uh, you know, I'm standing right here and I'm talking to you on the phone and uh, the comedian Ari Spears is just kind of looking at me. So it's very, very strange. Maybe he can do a Mike Tyson uh, gimmick for us. But anyway, um, you know, uh, there's there's some concern, you know, the way he's built. Uh, Can he handle, uh, you know, a schedule like this? And, uh, you know, is he the next Greg Oden? All that promise, you know, injury. Uh, But uh, there, there was a lot to be left for us after last night. So only time will tell.
1: Okay, so let's let's get into now your thoughts on the Astros before we jump into the Royal Rumble because you're an Astros oh, fan. Boy. So, sure, so you sure. know, like, what are just kind of what are overall what are you thinking about like everything that come out? Just give us some of the like some of your thoughts, positive, negative, whatever they are. And also, what well, what, what are the fan. locals' feelings about it, too? I want to hear what kind of what sure. – what this is Houstonian saying? This is a safe space for you, Chad, because you got to remember, uh, Mike <laughs> is a Boston Red Sox fan, so he's been spinning everything <laughs> positive, as positive as possible, so it doesn't make the Red Sox look as bad. So this is a safe space sure, for you.
3: Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, full disclosure, number one, I, I am a fan. Number two, I am a realist. Uh, I'm very disappointed. Uh, disappointed at the fact that, uh, you know – I think it's not maybe known as what everybody pretends to say it, but of course, if you know the history of baseball, there's probably been some sort of sign stealing, blah, 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 you know, wherever, you know, word come out, Tony La Russa in Oakland did this, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, nonetheless, I think the Astros' biggest problem was uh, they were on the forefront of bragging of how great their technology was, that they, you know, They had built this great farm system. You know, they had all these statistics. But then, you know, they just kind of, like a Bantam rooster, kind of put their chest out there and and let everybody know. And I don't think they cared. Now, did the GM, Luno, know? You know, I don't know. you got to take his word for it. Did Hinch know? Absolutely he did. And uh, I think a lot of teams that they played knew about it. Um, you know, for one instance, you know, I, I've heard that, you know, Evan Gaddis was up at bat one time and it, it, whoever that, maybe they were playing the Padres and in interleague and the catcher knew what was going on. So he went out to the pitcher and said, Hey, I'm not giving you signs. Um, but, you know, if you look at it, 2017, the Astros weren't all that good at home and there's no, I, I'm not taking up form at all, whatever they, they get, they get, but they weren't really that good at home. Now, as far as the locals, uh, you know, Houston is a baseball town. They weren't. They once were the Houston Oilers town. They ran off in the middle of the night. Yes, the Houston Rockets won a couple of titles in '93 and '94. There's an asterisk. Jordan was not in the league then when Jordan came back, they won it. This has been a baseball town, even though there's not been a lot of success up until 2017. Yeah. They had a great run in the eighties, the Astrodome, you know, the great Met series the national league, uh, uh pennant, but these fans, M- Mike, here, Scott, you know, Mike Scott, Mike Scott and Glenn Davis, Mike Scott, Glenn Davis. Uh, but, you know, the early Craig Biggio when he was a catcher, his rookie season. Um, uh, it, you know, it, it, it's diehards. And, you know, uh, this past weekend was the Astros annual FanFest. And, guys, it was the most attended uh, fans at FanFest in, they said, seven or eight years. So I, I, I think the diehards uh, are, you know, they're going to put blinders on and, and, and do it. Now, my question is, and I've been asked this by, by several people here in Las Vegas that I know that follow the sports. You know, will the government step in, you know, yeah. do, do they step in, uh, you know, do we take the commissioner's word, you know, that this is his first big decision, you know, do, do we take his word for it and that it's over because there's more and more evidence coming out, whether you believe it's coincidence that Altuve they said, don't take my jersey off, or, you know, wires, and all this stuff, you know, will we get a commission report like we did, uh, you know, years and years ago, um. So, uh, it's, it, it's disheartening, especially with the, t- you know, Bregman's a butthole. We know that. Um, <laughs> but Altuve was kind of like a heart and soul three. guy. He People love him, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Sure. Sure. You think used to sports, there's Hakeem Olajuwon, Nolan Ryan, uh, maybe, uh, Earl Campbell, you know, Deshaun Watson gets his dude. Uh, but then there's Altuve, little guy, uh, great smile, Honest person, and uh, you know, he's going to get booed. And it, it's, and will it go away? You know, eventually it will, but you know. I don't know what's saving the. Somebody told me what's saving the Astros now is an impeachment trial. Because they're yeah. some that really <laughs> believe the government may get involved in this. But, you know, baseball has a lot of money. It's just the problem is, you know, it, it's a North America sport. You know, football's global, baseball is not. You know, NBA has China, even though they had problems with China, baseball is not. So there's a lot of people wanting a lot more answers to this. And uh, will they take that tile away from them? I doubt it, but. You know, it's uh it, it
1: sucks. It really does suck. <laughs> it was about, as we're about to oh I'm sorry, a, go ahead, Gina. I was just gonna say it was about a two week spurt between the Houston, the Texans getting up big and then blowing that lead and then <laughs> all the Astros information coming out and then right then like it seemed like the rockets and Harden just started struggling all at the same time. It was like a yeah, little sure. few weeks or so for Houston, huh?
3: <laughs> yeah, and they, you know, the the Texans, you know, up what so big on Kansas City, and they're probably killing themselves now. But you know, you know everybody's wanting Bill O'Brien to get fired, and uh, that's back page news on Sunday yeah. or Monday in the Houston Chronicle. It is uh, you know front center Houston Astros. So it's uh it's not been very good. The, the Rockets are, are tanking. Um, it's uh, it's 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 a frustrating time for Houston sports uh, professional sports fans. That's for sure. Hey guys, as we're
2: exiting out of our baseball talk and uh, transitioning to WWE Royal Rumble, uh, one quick note, Dennis Lynn of The Athletic just uh, posted a tweet saying that the Padres and Red Sox have very serious discussions regarding the trade of Mookie Betts wow. from Boston to San Diego, oh. it would probably involve, uh, Myers and, uh, some of the prospects. Um, that's, that's some pretty big news there since we uh, were just talking a little baseball. So yeah, because we'll yeah. San Diego
1: has a good prospect. Well, uh, they have a good... A manager. Yeah, that's true. You, know, you need Houston's a manager. Hire a manager. <laughs> you know?
3: they, they've interviewed everyone, Dusty Baker to, uh, you know, I mean, they, I don't know. I, I don't know what they do this year. Hey, guys, you know, how come we're not hearing was, like, gonna...
2: yeah, Dusty Baker and, and all those guys? I was going to ask you guys, why
1: aren't we hearing about Mike Sosha at all? That's true. I haven't heard that That's name. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah and he's, the type, of, name he's the, the type for that. of manager that, that some of these teams would need right now, just kind of, of like course. we talked about the steady veteran manager who's been yes. around. This probably yes. isn't the, the spot yeah, for like a up, new sure. – uh, up-and-comer so uh yeah it's just a fun of not i'm fun but just a lot going on in sports it's like that's what's great about sports man the constant cycle and then we get into this weekend chad and it's always great because it's the weekend in between the super bowl uh, and the conference championships now wwe's done a really good job of kind of co-opting this big sunday as uh as the royal rumble sunday and what's great is that even when there's a year that's kind of like a lackluster year or maybe things aren't going as great or maybe they aren't as big as stars or the ratings are down – Everybody loves the Royal Rumble because it's kind of a different event than just when you turn on the show and you watch a a wrestling card that has a few different types of matches. This one is kind of a WWE-built show. The Royal Rumble, it's not even your normal battle royal. You have um, 30 different uh, competitors coming out by – which is what somebody said uh, by – Different intervals, I think Paul Heyman made a joke because they're constantly changing them. (laughs) Some years it would be like two minutes, it'd be 90 seconds, and then (laughs) sometimes they'll throw it out in 30 seconds just because they want two people out there in the same time. But I do, there's a little different of a tweak this year too with the Royal Rumble. How do you like the fact that it's going to be Brock Lesnar starting the Rumble as the champion at number one and trying to go all the way through?
3: It's different, right? Uh, I think we needed something like that. I agree. Uh, you know, he, he's been, you know, having his little, which I don't mind it. I, I've enjoyed the R-Truth segments over the last couple of weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't mind that at all, but it, it is something different uh, to see a champion of his magnitude uh, step up and, and be number one. And interesting to see, you know, how many people he's able to. To eliminate, I don't, I can't remember what the record is. I don't know if Kane or if Braun Strowman has re, you know, ha, has set the record on that. But you would think there, we're in for something spectacular with Brock making a long run in this. And uh, you know, it would be something if he wins it, you know, and and has a shot to unify those titles. But I uh, don't know if we get that, but. This ought to be very interesting, and I can't wait to see, uh, you know, what he does in eliminating some of these, and the styles he's going to eliminate some of these guys in. this match brings out the the absolute best in some of these guys. Kofi, to remember, you know, John Morrison, he's back. What he's been able to do in these rumbles, these guys, you know, just keep from being eliminated. So it should be fun.
1: Yeah, and Brock had a good interaction with the Ricochet, too. I'd love to see them just kind of yeah, go at it for a few like seconds that. back and forth, just a contrast of styles. That, I think you you pointed out what's been really good about, I think, the buildup to this Royal Rumble this year is that it's, it's a little more unpredictable. It felt like the last maybe five years or so, you could really key in on just, like, one guy or gal who felt like, okay, they're probably the odds-on favorite to win the Royal Rumble. Like, it's it, it most likely going to be them. And this year, now we're thinking about, okay, Is it going to be Brock going the whole way through? And if it's not, is it going to be like eliminating Brock is almost as good as winning the Rumble. You know, if you have someone eliminate Brock and they don't even have to necessarily win the Royal Rumble to kind of set themselves up as the contender for Brock's belt. Then you can have whoever else wins the Rumble going to be the contender for the Fiend or Daniel Bryan or whoever is going to be on the, you know, on the SmackDown side of things. So I like that there's different options. Let's go through some of them. So let's say Let's say Brock does not win this Royal Rumble. Some of the the top-tier contenders who have been kind of getting good push recently. I think you got to start with Roman Reigns. He's been out of the title picture for sure. a while. You could really see Roman winning it and going after either The Fiend or Brock, right? That would make sense.
3: Yeah, and, I, and if you're handicapping it, uh, I'm sure he's probably uh, the odds-on favorite. To win it, and uh, he it may not be popular with some of the fans in WWE universe. But, uh, you know, do we want to see him and Brock? You know, do we, you know, does he stay on the SmackDown side of things? You know, it'll be interesting to see. I think Roman has to be taken uh, seriously. And the guy you mentioned, I, I know he's probably not ready to main event WrestleMania, even though I would love to see him. Uh, I love Ricochet. Me I, I too. like his work, uh, with, you know, Lucha Underground when he wore the hood. Um, this guy, I, I really, really like. Him. And I like the way they've been pushing Drew McIntyre. Maybe love that. sort of face, face-ish a little bit. You know, his little spat with Randy Orton. Drew McIntyre at the top of this game. You know, uh, still looking at the main star guys, I think Kevin Owens, you know, Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe has been snake-bit with injuries most of his WWE career. I'd like to see him get a run. But then, you know, there's going to be some NXT, some NXT guys. You know, the big name, the the big pop on NXT is Keith Lee. Will he win it? Probably not. But uh, he's a star that I would like to see him get a couple of moments with, maybe with with Brock Lesnar. That would be something for fans of the WWE Universe to watch as we're watching on the network.
1: And one of the cool things about the Royal Rumble every year is the surprise element. I think we have 23 or 24 um, different wrestlers uh, in the men's side that have been announced so far, and we know we're going to get a few surprises. Some of the rumors, I mean, there's been rumors the last month or two about Edge having another run here. He would be somebody that the crowd would absolutely go crazy for if he were to come out. What about someone like Kane Velasquez, who has a little bit of a history with Brock? We haven't seen Kane since that Saudi Arabia show. That might be a a match that they want to set up for. For WrestleMania, and then we get you know some of the legends where you'll get a you know, like a hacksaw Jim Duggan show up just to kind of pop sure. the crowd, or so that's kind of one of the, the really cool things about the Royal Rumble is that as they count down, we just never know who's coming out next.
3: <laughs> well, I, I think we're probably going to get Booker T. You know, it's his hometown. You know, Can you, you know, do that, Booker sucker? And, yeah, I know him and Stevie Ray have kind of been, you know, back and forth with the revival. Um, don't know if we'll get that match as a surprise match at Rumble. Maybe that could be a, a WrestleMania-type moment. But I'm pretty sure we'll get Booker T. I love the King Velasquez. Uh, I think he's in it for sure. Do we – Do we? is this the moment that uh, – and the, the Living Color song – you know, hits, yeah. and you get a CM Punk moment. You know, yeah. so expect the unexpected. I love Kane in it. I, I love that, and I'd love to see Edge. And let, let these guys have some moments. You know, and leading up because you have a big Saudi show that's coming up, right? Which you know that happens. Uh, it's going to happen here within the next couple of months. So they're going to build to that, and of course, one on the road to WrestleMania officially on Sunday.
1: So give me uh, 20 seconds. Give me your prediction. Who's going to win the Rumble this year? And then the women's, they've only had four announced. So it's, it's harder to predict sure. that one because we're just going to see so many different. But if you have a thought on who you think might win that one, give us your predictions.
3: Uh, well, my, my gut feeling on the women's is going to be Shayna Baszler. I think she dropped the title on NXT to Rhea Ripley for a reason. I think she gets the push. I think maybe we see uh, uh, Ronda Rousey back in the Rumble uh, on the men's side, I hate to do it, but I, I, you know, I, I want Ricochet, but I'm feeling so chalkish, and I think this is Roman years, uh, Roman Reigns' year to win it. But I think Shayna Baszler, I, I think she comes in and and, and and makes her moment here, and I think I think the WWE Universe will, will enjoy that
1: chad cooper flag sports the examiner chad we love when we talk to you and we can bounce all around man thank you so so much and uh have a nice time in vegas don't work too hard over there okay don't don't you don't you hurt yourself (laughs) okay guys thanks guys thanks chad okay let's take a quick break when we'll be back we'll be uh closing things out with andrew champagne
0: become our friend on facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash voice america racers and rental cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry join hosts cameron foray and don o'neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day It's about the business as well as the fun we've got the scoop the guests the discussion and the wtf moments all you need to do is bring your ears racers and rental cars heard every saturday at 10 a.m pacific time 1 p.m eastern right here on the voice america variety channel
1: As winter marches on, upland and waterfowl seasons are drawing to a close,
4: while angling adventures are heating up. So the revolution with Jim and Trav will hammer out late-season waterfowl and upland strategies, plus focus on bodies of water and proven January fishing techniques. Our guests will be Bruce Horrell from Gundog TV, Mark Davis of Big Water Adventures, and Cat Daddy. The revolution is presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Saturdays at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel.
0: Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at one 472 5788 That's one 866 472 or send an email to mike at the mike show.com Now, back to this week's program.
1: We're closing things out here on the Mike Abadeer Show, we welcome in our next guest, Andrew Champagne, to talk with us uh, a couple different things, and we'll we'll get some Royal Rumble predictions from Andrew. But before we get into the WWE, Andrew, there was uh, a race called the Pegasus that, let's see, it was $12 million. Two years ago right is that correct when it started That was the the Pegasus Invitational The purse this year had Gone down to three million which Is still a nice sizable purse for a, A really good graded stakes Field and this Group that was lining up for the race Wasn't really the deepest Or wasn't really the strongest and We drew the race On Wednesday the morning Line came out and as Of Thursday early afternoon the top two betting choices the shortest price courses have both been removed i mean omaha beach was going to be a heavy heavy favorite in here spun to run would have then taken over favoritism they're both out of this race kind of uh, a little disappointing huh lackluster
4: disappointing is a really good word and i've got to tell you i understand maximum security is not running in this race if these are the best older horses in America, maximum security notwithstanding, the handicap division's going to be absolutely dreadful this year. This is a grade three race. Any way you slice it, and credit where it's due, these horses are going to go for probably a shot at the biggest purse most of them will ever see. So more power to them and more power to their connections. But... From a quality standpoint, this is a far cry from Arrogate versus California Chrome, Gunrunner versus West Coast, and even Accelerate versus City of Light. It's not the best group in the world. It does become a very intriguing betting race. I was intrigued with Tax when the race got drawn. I think Tax is getting better and better as his career goes along. He's eight to one on the morning line. I'd be surprised if we got much more than half of that come post time after the two scratches. I'm going to try to beat mucho gusto. I realize Bob Baffert likely has him ready, but but I liked Mucho Gusto a lot in the Travers. I thought he had a perfect trip, just was not good enough. To me, that's a favorite that I think you try to beat.
1: Well, that is uh, the Pegasus. But I will say before we, we jump in, I noticed that you've been um, um, on AndrewChampagne.com where you post a lot of your plays, whether they be sports plays or uh, or racing plays. You've been di- diving into Sam Houston a little too, which is nice. We are talking about the low takeout. And what I like about a track like Sam Houston um, and Oaklawn's opening up right now too um, on Friday, which is great. What what's nice about Sam Houston with the low takeout, and what I also like about Oaklawn is there are these tracks where you get horses coming in from all over the place, and it makes it makes the handicapping part hard but very fun when you're looking at horses. I I think I tweeted out at Oaklawn in the f- in the fifth uh, the final race on. Uh, on friday you're literally getting horses coming in in a field of 13 from 10 different racetracks which is which is kind of cool so um there's actually a lot of good racing going on right now and we're starting to get to that point where we're we're about on the like every weekend will be a different racetrack in their kentucky derby prep so whether it be a little bit lackluster at Gulfstream, it's actually starting to be that pretty good time of the year to keep an eye on like from week to week to week
4: there's certainly a lot to be excited about, and this is the time where I mentioned that the Eclipse Awards are starting up this evening. They're on th- the Thursday night. Uh, very proud of my buddy Joe Nevels, who's going to be taking home an Eclipse Award for his piece Super of Not cool. Pleasant Meadows. But going back to the racing section, you're right. There's generally something to be excited about most every weekend. It just turns out that this weekend it's not the Pegasus. A lot of <laughs> gamblers probably much more excited about Sunday with that mandatory payout at Gulfstream and the Rainbow Six.
2: Let's get yeah, you know, Gino. By the way, really quickly, you mentioned Sam Houston, and uh, for any of our listeners that are big horse racing fans and, and players, man, I'll tell you, you mentioned the low takeout. Go back and look at the some of these pick three payouts. Now they switch back takeout. to the, the yeah they back to the dollar minimum, and uh, I'll tell you, man, you'll see like. <laughs> Uh, you'll see, You'll go back and look at the results. You'll see like seven to two winner and followed by a two to one, followed by a seven to two paying like $139. It's like, oh my God, I can't believe this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we I would have played that a couple of times had I known something like that. You know, something like that. Golden Gate will pay like 13 bucks on the 50 cents. Just a, <laughs> you little, know?
1: Just a little extra back for your money. You know, we sure. don't realize how much that little extra back gets us, which is which is really great. And, and Andrew, you've actually had a really good year so far posting some of your sports plays Two. Do you have an early thought or just kind of overall thought on the two teams that are going to be lining up uh, in uh, about a week and a half in the Super Bowl?
4: I'm pretty intrigued by the total, actually. I think that's very dependent on the pace of the game. If the Chiefs control the pace of the game, the over-under is going to be blown to smithereens. If the 49ers control the pace of the game, they're going to go way under. I think this is something where you're not going to have to sweat the total if you play it. It's either going to go way over or way, way under. And if you're doing your research, something to certainly consider. And if you've got a strong feeling, I think that's where you can potentially make some money.
1: Okay, let's uh, we only got about 10 minutes left in the show. So let's jump into the Royal Rumble 2020 a few years ago now. There have been uh two Rumbles. There's a men's uh, Royal Rumble and a women's Royal Rumble. It seems like the the WWE roster and the ta- um and a lot of the the women as far as the talent that they started bringing in are are Finally, getting a little more focused so it felt kind of right for them to get the opportunity to have a Royal Rumble. Whereas years past, they I don't think they would have had thirty women, you know, on the roster, uh, wrestling wise, and and that's uh, totally different now. And in what's cool about this event in particular, and we were talking about this with Chad a little bit, is even when I'm not going to pretend that. Wrestling this year in 2019, and even the last couple of years, has been trending like a little downward as far as you know. You look at the ratings, you look at um, kind of the the interest. There's good wrestling going on all over. There's good matches going on all over, but we're not really seeing stars created. We're not really seeing um, that like crossover superstar. All of that kind of takes a back seat for a little bit when the Royal Rumble comes around because this is just a fun. Sunday event like this is a fun few hours. it's kind of exciting. it's kind of like springs a little bit new hope because you never really know who's going to win even though we know there's only like probably four or five in each that have the real chance to win. This is just always one of those that even even if the team that you're rooting for is having a down year this is kind of like opening day opening season where you feel like a little bit optimistic. you hope that's the thing yeah there's yeah, always
4: true. hope around Royal Rumble time. Sometimes WWE takes that hope, throws it in the toilet and flushes it down. See also the twenty fifteen Royal Rumble where they did everything possible to make Roman Reigns a star and failed miserably. That was the Royal Rumble where Big Show and Kane teamed up late to throw everybody out and they brought the rock out and it was I, I rewatched it on the WWE network a while back and it was it was as disastrous then as it is now. It did not age well and it's, it, that stunk to high heaven. But then you get Royal Rumbles like 2018, which Shinsuke Nakamura won, and that was an absolute blast. When the Royal Rumble is booked effectively, very few things are better. And I say that as a resident of upstate New York where, fun fact, Ric Flair won the WWF title at the Royal Rumble in 92 or 93, I think it was. But it was the one where he won the Rumble and Hogan got tossed out by Sid Justice and whatnot, and that set up everything leading up to WrestleMania. When the Rumble is booked properly, very few things in wrestling are more entertaining. I hope we get a Rumble like that. As opposed to the rumble we got in
1: 2015. And just to add a little uh, intrigue to it, the Royal Rumble this year is going to be at Minute Maid Park, the home of the Houston Astros. So you know we're going to get at least a couple cheating buzzer references, some sort of an angle where that will be incorporated. We only have about four or five minutes left, so let's kind of jump in here. Who who do you think are like the the top tier of? It's going to be one of these guys in the men's Royal Rumble to win it all. I guess, do we have to start with Brock, who's going to be the number one and trying to make it all the way through?
4: I'm going to be interested to see how that plays out. I think it's an interesting wrinkle, and I love the way that they did it. As far as who the winner is, uh, unfortunately, I don't think there's a lot of suspense there. It seems like a Roman Reigns year. It seems like Roman Reigns versus The Fiend has been penciled in for months. It certainly seems like that's where they're going. And I hope I'm wrong, simply because Rumble's where you know who's going to win beforehand. Just don't have the same appeal. And looking back on it, if you look at the ones on the network, you can tell right away when the person who's going to win enters the ring. It's just It ruins wins a lot of the mystique around the match The Women's Rumble, I think, is much more wide open because you've got a couple of different directions they can go. You've got Charlotte. You've got Shayna Baszler. You've got whoever loses Becky versus Asuka. Ronda Rousey potentially coming back. I'm looking forward to seeing how that's booked more than anything else. The Men's Rumble, to me, again, with Brock at one, with the possibility of Edge coming back for a surprise return, Booker T in his hometown, there's some stuff to be excited about. But as far as who the winner is, I've, I've got to go with the chalk.
1: Andrew, in in true broadcaster form, you give me a an answer that answers all the questions before I even ask them again, and we only have a minute or two left. So you're on record. Um, you you like Ro- You think it's going to be Roman? Who would be the Andrew Champagne pick that might make you kind of jump out of your seat and pop if they ended up winning?
4: I would like to see Alistair Black kick everybody. Sure. off. that'd be great. Being booked on Monday Night Raw, arrive kick somebody in the head, leave. It's the Goldberg logic. When Goldberg was brought into WCW, every one of his matches was the same. He'd hit you, He'd hit you again. He'd spear you. He'd jackhammer you. And the crowd would be going crazy without him actually really doing anything of substance. Alistair Black has the look as much as anybody in the business. He's unique. He's got a finishing move that can hit from out of nowhere and cause the crowd to rise to his feet. He's a main eventer at some point down the line. I really hope they don't blow it with him.
1: Andrew Champagne, thank you, buddy. We appreciate hearing from you. We're just about out of time now, and we'll uh, we'll have to link back up with you and talk some uh, Kentucky Derby Prep races in the next few weeks.
4: Thanks, Andrew. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks very much, guys. It's always a pleasure.
1: Mike, that show always rolls by. Thank you to Chad. Thank you to Andrew. We got to talk a, a little bit more than wrestling with both of them, and there's so much going on in the world of sports. And then next week it'll be uh, all Super Bowl.
2: Yeah, we'll do our Super Bowl show. We're uh, efforting to uh, put together a pretty good show for you guys, including the, uh, I guess I'm trying to blank down the title there, from Treasure Island, the sportsbook director. Director. There you go. Um, That we uh, have had on the last couple years in a row. That's all the time that we have, though, Gino. So enjoy your Royal Rumble, my friend. And uh, we'll be back next week, all football Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone. See you same time, same place next week.
0: Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.